Uh, are you Nick. sure about that? No. <laughs> and neither of those things are true. This is a podcast. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm Elise. And I'm Alex. And uh, we're some nerds. We have this podcast, and we're going to talk for, at you for a little bit. Thank you for joining us. Um, today on the program, we are going to talk about some shit. <laughs> there is shit to be talked about. Uh... This Alex. is us not having our act together, this is as us. usual. I mean, which I, if you're one of our four regular listeners, you would know. This is kind of how um, this shit goes. Alex and I have both worked all day. Elise has been busy with stuff all day, so we've just been kind of like we're not really prepared <laughs> this week. I feel like, but we've got some stuff to talk about. Oh my god, stop saying that! Like, like we're ever prepared. That's like we're true. ever like. Here's us. We got our shit together. We were we prepared when us. we had a book to talk about. That is true. true. That's true. We have books to talk about this week, too. We do have yeah. books to talk about this All week. Right. Um, so, who wants to start us off? Uh, Alex, tell us about your weird book that you've been reading. Okay, so I have a weird book. <laughs> Apparently, it's weird. I don't think it's that weird. It's... it's... It is outside of, like, like, Oprah has never talked about this on the book club, okay? <laughs> Fine. Okay, so this is a book called The Curious Cases of Doc, of uh, Judge D. Okay. Um, that is a book that was, is based off of a historic figure from, uh, from, what is it, 8th eight, century China? Uh, Judge D. Renji, I think that's how you pronounce his first name, um, was a official in the Tang Dynasty uh, and started off as kind of like a, a local magistrate and eventually became a major player in the imperial court. However, because in his time as a magistrate or a judge, as has kind of been translated, uh, he also solved a bunch of crimes. And in the 18th century, in the Manchu Dynasty, uh, some anonymous person wrote a novel about this these crimes that he solved, and it was basically a murder mystery. Uh, and then in World War II, or just after World War II, uh, a man named uh, Robert van Gulik, who I believe is a Dutchman in uh, who is in the Dutch East Indies, um, found this and translated it into English and published it in Tokyo after the war. Uh, and then it got republished in the United States, and that's what I'm reading now. Uh, I actually, so this is a, a historical account or a historical fiction? This, I guess, hard to say. Like, it's based off of part what might be actual accounts, but the records, you know, are, are kind of vague. Yeah. So it could be uh, elaboration, it could be actual, you know, accounts. Or it could be complete fabrication which, based which, off of a historical person. When you get back that far in history anyway, because you said 8th century, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, those those lines all kind of blur together mm -hmm. anyway. Between yeah. actually, actually, it should be, I'm sorry, not 8th century, 7th uh, century. And right. as we discussed in our Disney proletariat uh, episode, just because somebody read it, wrote it like a first-hand account a long time ago doesn't mean it was actually, you know, factual. Mm -hmm. Right. See John Smith. Right. But the factual nature of it is not what's important. What's important okay. is that it is a murder mystery. And in fact, it, it can't be factual because there is some supernatural element. Like, he goes and consults the spirits at one point. Okay. But, you know, it's it's a murder mystery, and um, I only just started reading it, but it's not the first of Judge D's books that I've read. Um, there was another one called The Willow Pattern. Uh, now, after Van Gerlich, um translated this one, uh, it apparently became so popular that, he, that people wanted more of Judge D. Uh -huh. So he took it upon himself to essentially create sequels um, to this to this story that is like an ancient translation. Okay. Um, and well, not ancient. 18th century is not ancient. But anyway, um, 
but he took it upon himself to create these sequels, and apparently my professor of East Asian history thought that the sequel, the, the Willow Pattern, uh, was so good at explaining the Chinese judicial system of the Tang Dynasty that he assigned it as reading for his class. And so I read it first as assigned reading in college, uh, and then this is actually like the first book that, that I decided to read on my own of his. And right. so, yeah, so like I said, I've only just started. The murder's only just begun to happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, apparently there are three cases in this one book. Like I said, it's the curious cases of Judge D. So. Neat. Yeah. Very cool. Well, uh, that's what I've been. That's what I'm reading now. This is after I finished reading my nonfiction book about Mesopotamia because I'm also, yes. Anyway. Speaking of history, <laughs> yeah. I don't know unless anybody else had anything to well, chime in there. Well, but. I've also been reading. Well, I I just finished a unusual murder mystery. Uh, it's a book that's been on my to read list for a while. I finally finished it this past week. It's called The City in the City by China Mieville. Oh, you were telling me about that. Yes. Um. And it's basically, uh, it's set in a fictional city-state. Well, actually, two fictional city-states. Uh, it doesn't explain exactly where it is, but it talks about, like, Turkey and Albania being kind of close by. So it's probably somewhere in the Near East is what it's meant to be. Um, and the main character is from a city-state called the Gel. Uh, and there is a neighboring city-state called uh, Olkoma. And basically, the premise of it is that they that both Bejel and Elkoma exist in the same location and at the same time, but on two different planes of reality. And basically, there are parts of the cities that kind of overlap with each other, but if you're in Elkoma, you're not supposed to see the people in Bejel and vice versa, even though, you know, you're walking by them on the streets or, you know... You're trying to avoid hitting them with your car or whatever. Um, so the premise of the book is that the main character is a police detective, um, and he gets put on this case where this unknown woman's body is found. Uh, and as the story goes on, I don't want to talk too much about it because it's it's hard to talk about this book because it's a murder mystery without giving away major plot twists and details. But essentially, what ends up turning what ends up happening is that um, the woman was in Elkoma, was murdered in Elkoma, but her body was dumped in Bejel. And so they're trying to figure out what exactly is going on because it, if her she was killed one way, one place and found someplace else, that possibly means that something happened called breach, which is a huge major crime. Like, even bigger than the murder, breach is a huge crime where basically you illegally cross from one of those cities to the other. Um... But then it turns out that breach didn't occur, that her body was taken through customs, basically not like directly, but it was taken over the border legally. So it's like there's some huge conspiracy going on and the the, the main character um, goes to both cities and to the breach itself, um, which is the place that exists kind of in between the two um, to kind of figure it out. And there's like a big like political things and cover-ups. Um, it's very neo-noir, but very kind of like not there's a little bit of alternate history because like it is supposed to be the real world there's a throwaway line at one point where he mentions how um Olkoma and Bejel were on opposite sides of World War II and it they don't really elaborate on that so we don't know who was on which side <laughs> um but yeah it's but a, one of the one city is full of assholes 
I mean, kind of. I mean, it's it's interesting because <laughs> I just like because like World War Two. Never mind. There, it's interesting because one of one of the cities is like experiencing this huge like economic boom, uh-huh. and the other one is, is like mostly slums, and so they'll talk about how like you know the slums of Bejel are are. Um, they have a word for it where it's like they're near each other in space but in opposite cities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember what it was now. I was, I was using it the other day to explain something else that I kind of felt that way about. But now I don't... Persona. We were talking no, about No, it wasn't Persona. It wasn't in Persona. It was um, it was something in real life where I was like, oh, yeah. Um, it was like someplace that's physically nearby to where we live, but it feels like it's really far away. Oh! Yeah. Um, yeah. But so no, I, remember. I, remember. I can't remember what the word is now off the top of my head, but it's um it's a word that they use to describe things that are near each other spatially, but in two different cities. Um, and so like the the big like banking industries of Alcoma or like kind of near a slum is like one thing that is mentioned in the book, um, a slum in Bejel. Um, it's really kind of cool. I mean, and, and China Mieville is also kind of a leftist sci-fi person um he also recently i think this last year yeah it would have been last year because it was the 100th anniversary of the october revolution (laughs) he wrote a book called october um that is a a a fictionalized account of the october revolution that has a lot of really negative reviews on amazon oh people who are like (laughs) oh trying to make these guys into heroes um uh, like like angry kind of oh goodness incoherent yelling which like not people i should add not people who have actually read the book pretty much all of those reviews are like not verified purchases i i just you know and i feel like we've we've discussed this several times especially in our discussion about a small way to a the long way to a small angry planet Mm -hmm. which is that leftist science fiction is just better and like maybe to a certain extent this is like i'm bringing my own kind of personal political biases in it Mm -hmm. but it's like you know Fuck, like, look at where it started with Frankenstein. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, look, you know, like, Octavia Butler. And, like, look at, like, the people that really, like, truly contributed to science fiction, the literary genre, as opposed to people that have, like, you know, published a lot of dinosaur novels. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I, there's definitely, I feel like there's certainly a divide. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I haven't read enough science fiction but i felt like there's kind of a divide between like if you want like good high literary science fiction it's more progressive and the more kind of pulp fiction of sci-fi is is kind of rooted in a sort of like reactionary. At the very, yeah reactionary it's very militarist yeah you know i've even read some pretty good uh, like military science fiction from left-leaning people yeah. Um, like, like pro-military, like, we're going to yeah, kill them books yeah. is, like, very... Robert Heinlein, Starship Troopers, as opposed to the movie version yeah, of yeah, Starship yeah. Troopers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, I, I don't care. The movie version's better. Fight me. Um, the, yeah. The book is, like, baby's, ba- like, little baby guide to fascism. Yeah, yeah. There's, like, no sort of, like, subtlety or nuance. It's just... 
I, I I always remember because there's there's a thing that's in the book, and I think this is the people who say the book is better. I think just enjoy the technology more. At least I hope that's what they mean. Mm -hmm. Because like they use power armor in the book, and they don't in the movie. And I guess power armor is cool, but they call it like in the book. It's like oh yeah, they're on the bounce because the way that the wars are fought. Have you read Starship Troopers? I have not read the okay. book Starship Troopers. I've okay. seen the movies. So in the book Starship Troopers, basically the way that like Heinlein envisions the battlefield of the future is you're in these big suits of power armor basically bunny hopping across a planet shooting nukes below you as you go i mean isn't this just quake i mean it's it is essentially it's rocket jumping <laughs> yeah it's just rocket jumping that's also genocide with like no sort of nuance because it's like the the, the enemy like the, the 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 bug species in the book of starship troopers are clearly just an allegory for like like communist chinese like the way that he describes them right. and it's like you clearly know in his mind that's what he's talking about it's like oh yeah they all they all look the same and they all think the same and yeah. there's no don't have any individuality it's like okay robert let's dial it back when was this published okay yeah. um so so you basically you're picturing these guys and and so he talks about like you know, being on the bounce and, like, you know, moving and, like, bouncing around. And it every time I think about it, I'm sure the people who wrote um, this episode of Futurama had this book in mind. But there's uh, an episode of Futurama. It's one of my favorites called uh, War is the H-Word. Oh, yeah. And it, 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 at the is end of it... Is that the one where war were declared? Yeah, war were declared. Yeah, yeah I saw that um, <laughs> And at the end of it, Fry... So they're fighting a whole bunch of bouncing ball aliens. Yeah, yeah. And Fry captures one and bounces it to the front lines to try to stop this bomb from going off that uh, that Henry Kissinger has... Or that, I guess, Nixon put inside of Bender for the peace talks. And he says, as he's bouncing around, at last... The hell of war has made me a man. Whee! <laughs> and that's just what I think of every time I think of the novel of Starship Troopers. Yeah. Because, like, they say things like golly gee in the book, and I'm just... <laughs> and it's I just can't take it. It's to make you believe that they're it. the wholesome side. It's like... They're the side that's against I mean, it's written for 12-year-olds. Communist bugs. It's, it's written for 12-year-olds, and it's just basically to 12-year-olds... Hey, 12-year-old boy, you know what would make you actually a good person? If you go out there and murder a whole bunch of people, wouldn't it be yeah. great to shoot a nuclear bomb at people who don't think like you? Wouldn't that be incredible? Gee, I wonder why Man, middle schoolers like this. Only, yeah. only, people, only people who have murdered a whole bunch of people has, should have any right to hold political power, unironically and uncritically. No, this is me, Robert Heinlein, saying that this is the way that I think the world should work. Oh, also, by the way, hippies, in 10 years, you guys are really going to love my uh, novel about free love, but also fascism. Yeah. Here's yeah. my self-insert character in that book about free love, and I'm just having sex with way younger women. And then there's the movie. And then and there's, then there's the, movie, the movie, which, again, is objectively way better because it is probably one of the best works of satire ever made. Mm -hmm. um, and it did not do well at the box office in 1997 because, as Cracked once pointed out many years ago, back when Cracked was still a, a website worth reading. Um, oh, the, bird. Yeah, I'm sorry. I love Cracked. Guys, I, I wish you would come back to your do, strength. Do the but... things. What happened to you? Yeah. 
But they did write an article many years ago about how the reason why Starship Troopers is the greatest work of satire ever made is because it was satiring something that hadn't happened yet. Yeah. <laughs> because basically they're explaining how the war- the movie works perfectly for like the post 9/11 mindset. Mm. It's like, yeah, actually that is what that movie is satiring. It's it's satiring the wars in uh, Afghanistan and Iraq like almost exactly. It's like, oh, first we went to this planet that did kind of was kind of involved in that sneak attack on us but then we went to another planet that had fuck all to do with it and it was a huge mistake <laughs> um but yeah that those those are good movies or well, at least that first one's yeah. good the rest of them are not terribly good um but a much better book that basically if you're interested in military science fiction and you're more interested in like how being in the military kind of fucks people over um the uh the forever war is probably one of the greatest works of military science fiction ever written and i think i've recommended it on the podcast yeah, I think before. You have before but it basically it's a little dated now um it was written in the 70s uh and there is some kind of not okay views of homosexuality in the book mm. um but it's mostly used as a way of kind of showing how the feeling of alienation that uh, specifically veterans of the Vietnam War experienced because it was written by a, a, a Vietnam veteran. And the book is basically, we get involved in this conflict with a group of aliens um, and they have the same form of traveling close to the speed of light as we do, which basically in this book, the way that interstellar travel works is you essentially slingshot your spaceship around something called a collapsar, um, which is sort of like a black hole or like a, like a, like a neutron star. Um, so it's like the star that's collapsed on itself and has this really high gravity threshold. So you like slingshot yourself around it and like shoot from star to star, basically using that. Um, and so the war is all fought on these little shitty planets that orbit a star where no one can live and it has no value. And so people are just going there and like dying, fighting over these things that only exist because they happen to be nearby where we know these other guys are going to be nearby, mm. even though the planets themselves have no value for us. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty spot on metaphor. Yeah. For Vietnam War. And so basically an entire tour of duty is a single battle because it takes so many years for you to go to one of these places and back Mm -hmm. the way that that space travel works like so so many years have passed at home and so in the time that it takes you to fight one battle like entire other groups of people have been sent out to their own battles and so the main character goes out and fights his one battle and comes home and like i think it's like 30 years or something like that like 20 or 30 years has passed and so the world is completely different and he feels like he doesn't belong in the world anymore and like the only thing that he understands now is the military so he re-ups again even though being in the military fucking sucks it makes more sense than being at home Mm. um and then that keeps happening he fights like basically the book takes place over the course of like three or four tours for him And each time he does, even though he's only fought in two battles, he, like, he keeps getting, like, promoted. And so, like, by the end of it, he's, like, a lieutenant or something like that. And he's, like, I've got no idea what's going on because every time I go back, the technology and the tactics are all different. Mm. Like, there's one point in the book where it's, like, the aliens 
aren't used to our style of fighting. Um, and so the first battle that he fights is basically just a massacre. Like you, you land on the planet and they're like, what these guys are landing and like fighting us on the planet itself instead of fighting us in space. And so the aliens just kind of run out of their base and they all get shot down by lasers. So the next battle he goes to, the aliens all have these like basically fields that nullify technology. And so the lasers that they have in their mech suits don't work. And so instead they're fucking fighting with like axes and swords and like medieval pole arms. Mm. Um, and it's just completely different every time. And then spoilers for the end of the book. Um, I mean, it's still a good read, even if you know how it ends, but basically it gets to the end. You find out that the entire thing was essentially this huge fuck up and misunderstanding. And by the time it's all over, it's like, no, well, you guys who fought, thanks for your service, but you're all like evolutionary throwbacks and like savages and primitives. So why don't you just go live on your own planet? Like you're not welcome as part of humanity anymore because humanity is so different by the time that this war is all done. Like thousands of years end up passing. Wow. Um, it's really good and really bleak. And like, if you have want to have a sense of like, like science fiction, so like, like very like, you know, escapist, uh, but at the same time, like very much like grounded in reality of, this is how it feels to kind of be dehumanized and desensitized and like thrown into this situation where like your only value is in killing and you know it's terrible but you don't know how to do anything else mm. it's like that is the book and it feels so real because this guy literally experienced that emotion do any of the um the soldiers ever have like mutiny like, do they ever feel like they need can can try something like that? I, I, I don't remember if that comes up, but it's because it's basically just like, again, like the military essentially becomes their family because by yeah. the time they get back, what has what constitutes their family is mm -hmm. so different and alien to them. Gotcha. Um, and they do. Um, there are some things where it's like, OK, well, this would kind of make sense to do uh, where they like they draft men and women for the services and basically they encourage like people to hook up because <laughs> um, it's like, Oh, well, if you have, if you're romantically attached to the people you're fighting with, then you're going to fight even harder. Um, and they also like, like marijuana's legalized and stuff like that. So it's like, again, it's basing off of his experiences in Vietnam. Like there's a lot of drug use mm -hmm. because like people need that kind of stuff to like, deal with all of this but yeah no actual like i don't remember it's been i haven't read it since college but it's a really good book um also another one written by kind of a left-leaning author um john scalsey's old man's war is another really good one um it's kind of the opposite of ender's game uh where basically you sign up for your stint in the military for when you retire um, so, like, you turn 65 years old, and if you've signed up ahead of time, then they take you into the military. They take you into the armed forces. Um, they Why? Because they have new ways of growing you a new body. And so the, the, the idea of it is, why would you throw away the life of a young person? Mm. Why not a person who's lived a full life? Um, and so they take the mind of someone who has lived a full life and has all these years of experiences and understandings and they put it into the brain of, or they put it into the, like this genetically engineered body that has no mind of its own. 
So they make a new body for you based off of your DNA. It looks like you, but younger. And they also do a few more genetic tweaks. Like for instance, the skin is green because there's chlorophyll in it. So you don't have to eat as much. Like your body produces nutrients through photosynthesis. And they just download your brain into that body. And then- I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. It's like super, it's supposed to be like way far in the future. So okay. like science, the, the science in it is like really out there. But it's basically your consciousness- put into a new body um, once you have reached a ripe old age so that you have lived your life and you have all these experiences. Is that the reason why people would agree to this? Is Pretty so much. they can keep living long yes, enough? Yes, okay. pretty much. Mm. Um, and so, like, the main character signed up for this with his wife when they were, when they were still relatively young, um, but she dies before she reaches that age. Mm. Um, and then you find out what happens to people who die before their term of service comes up, and it's fucked up mm. um and there's like an entire other book about that in the series that i haven't read yet but basically yeah it's it's messed up um but it's a pretty interesting book again it's been a few years since i've read it i don't remember as much about old man's war as i do about forever war i do remember liking it a lot um and i remember it being kind of like it was less about like the it was more about life in the military and less about conflicts. Like there wasn't like one specific war that was going on. It was more like the colonial Marines and aliens where it's like, Oh, this thing is happening on this planet. You guys are going to this planet to go deal with this one particular thing mm. instead of this huge, like galaxy spanning war. Um, gotcha. There's not like one enemy that, that kind of exists in this. It's like, I don't know, more like the American military today, where it's like... No, there's just wars all just, There's wars yeah. everywhere. There's just all the place. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Just, just a colonial army. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we've had a vision of the future... Yeah. Um, <laughs> do we want to talk about our horrendous present? present? Yeah. Which, where do we start? I was going to say, speaking of wars that are constantly going on, but unfortunately we're not actually at war with Russia right now. I say that sort of facetiously. Only because I'm kind of referring to the press conference that none uh, of us have seen. That none of us have seen. I've like I've I've heard snippets of it on NPR, and I've I've read a lot of commentary about it, and I've read a lot of description about what has happened. But basically, like everybody was like, "Hey, so all of this reporting is coming out of our intelligence agencies saying that Russia tampered with our elections uh, for your benefit." And Trump being like, yeah, but Putin said he, it didn't, so it didn't happen. Um, and, like, clearly having benefited from this foreign power uh, messing with our democracy, which, you know, we've never done that to anybody. Never. So. We didn't do that to Russia. We didn't do that to Nicaragua. We didn't do that to Iran. We didn't do that to any country in our history in the in the uh, western hemisphere yeah yeah if we keep naming or africa we're gonna... or oh yeah we're, we're just gonna or middle there, east guys yeah. guys, or guys, guys if we keep naming re <laughs> countries and regions we're gonna literally be here all night <laughs> <laughs> we have shit to do we have things to talk about but anyway um Damn it! Now, now I'm just thinking about all those poor countries that we fucked over. Thanks, yeah. thanks, assholes. Um, <laughs> hey, we're the defenders of democracy. Just yeah. so long as uh, that's so long as that democracy like 
holds up uh, capitalistic patriarchal hegemony. Yeah. That's fine. But if you vote for a socialist, <laughs> we'll throw a right-wing dictator in there so fast her head will spin. Yeah. Don't make me turn this democracy around, young country. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so that happened, um, and basically, uh, from my understanding of piecing together stuff from NPR, which is where I get most of my news, because um, I'm a hoity-toity wasp. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, in like a kind of colloquial sense, a lot of people have feel that. Uh, including, like, senators, um, that, you know, Trump has committed treason, but in a legal definition, because we are not actually at war with Russia, he has not technically committed treason. Maybe in in the words of, in the words of Arrested Development. Some light treason. Some light treason. Uh, which is, which is great, which I wanted to put out, not that this is a political podcast, but, you know... Is it not? I feel like pretty much everything we talk about, we talk at, about like, at the this political point, ramifications of it. Yeah, at this point, we're totally also a political podcast. We're also a political podcast, which, God bless you if you try to get your news from us. But um, I was going to say, you know, isn't the war on terror going on? And Oh, yeah. Isn't, like, uh, what Russia did, couldn't you couch that as cyber terrorism? Like, they're not so part in, of the axis of evil, at least. that case, Trump totally committed legal treason, right? Because he aided terrorists. Mm. He benefited from terrorism. I don't know. So did George W. Bush. Yeah. Yeah, but, well, I mean, like, I also feel like he should be tried for war crimes. But, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's, we can get behind that. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if we could, you know, couch this in some way... But I guess, like, my frustration is, like, so why, like, it's been, what, like, two fucking days? And, like, nothing has happened. Everybody, like, shot off angry tweets. John McCain wrote some, like, three-paragraph op-ed about it. But, like, nothing's fucking happened. So, like, what? what? Well, proof, like, if this is going to be going to, like, a, a like a impeachment trial... Yeah. You got to build a case and you got to have like all your ducks in a row and all the proof lined up. Like comments made by the president about this that or the other thing, that's not necessarily going to hold up. Yeah. So like where's your hard proof? We need like actual evidence of anything. Yeah. And that as far as I wear a few a few Russian trolls made a couple meme boys uh, on Facebook, I know that there was there was that what Cambridge Analytica is that involved in this somehow or is that completely separate? I don't fucking I, know. Yeah. But you know, like that's that's what I, everything's going on. Here. I was reading a thing that so the the indictments were starting to come out from the Mueller investigation, and I read basically a summary of that, and it's it's interesting stuff, um, and it certainly is painting a picture. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see where the investigation goes from here. So kind of in a in an interesting follow so two things that are sort of a follow-up to that. Uh, one of which is also this week, there is a young woman, a young Russian woman, um, who is going to trial for espionage. Mm, yes. Have you guys heard about this? I did hear a little something about this. So yes. she came she came to America as a graduate student of American University. Um 
to study to get her like master's degree in international relations and she had she had uh basically she had said on her visa she used to work for a high-ranking russian official um, wink wink you know and everybody apparently people at the visa office are like that's fine we don't care um but she neglected to kind of for a later inform everybody that oh actually i i'm still working for him i'm continuously working for him i'm also getting myself into high profile um events such as the national prayer breakfast so that way i can have access to high-ranking republicans in the government, so that way I can talk to them about having a more pro-Russia um, bent. And so all of this is coming out of the Justice Department as well. And so basically the Justice Department's case, I mean, I, I, to, yeah, everybody's innocent until proven guilty, but the Justice Department case is that she continued to work for this um, high-ranking official, was, you know, be, be, I mean, yeah, she was committing acts of espionage going into the national prayer breakfast everybody just kept coming back to that one which i thought was kind of funny but yeah so that's like case number one and case number two i feel the thing that we really need to do now and maybe this is like me and my tin hat but i think the important thing i think one thing very concretely um is congress needs to put pressure on Trump or Mueller, somebody needs to investigate Trump's tax returns. Cause I feel like that you will get very concrete kind of evidence that at least money was being exchanged. I mean, you'll definitely get evidence of ties. corruption of some form. Oh yeah. yeah no but doubt. He's, he's had business ties <laughs> to these billionaire Russian oligarchs. Yeah. For fucking years. years mm-hmm. For fucking years. And it's like, and I think that was the reason why he refused to, because all of this shit would have come to light. I mean, I honestly, I mean, I'm sure that that is probably there too. Yeah. But I honestly believe that the the actual reason why, at least during the election, he never wanted his tax returns to, to see the light of day is because they would show that he actually doesn't have as much money as he says he does. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. 100% convinced. So, so you think it's, like, number one, I'm not actually that rich, yeah. and number two oh. is I've also... I've also, I've also committed light treason. <laughs> people people they, they are just They are just the Bluth family. Like, I'm really, honest to God convinced God. that they are just the Bluth family. Does that make a poor Baron George Michael? Yeah, Baron's George Michael. Uh, Dude, he's in love with um, Tiffany. I'm Eric, sorry. I don't know. Eric is Job. Uh, <laughs> uh, Don Jr. No, Don Jr. is Job. Eric Ivanka, is Buster. Ivanka is fucking Lindsay. No, no. To a T. No, I take it back. I take it back. Actually, um, uh, Jared's Buster. Jer- yeah. Jared's, Jared's Buster. Buster. <laughs> yep. Yeah. This is it. Uh, this is uh, I'm I'm convinced now. New, they're they're just the fucking well, thing. you know, new conspiracy theory. You know what the new next season of Arrested Development's gonna be? <laughs> the Bluth family gets elected president. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, right yeah. because Lindsay is running, running for, for for office. For Senate, yeah. Um, god damn. Yep. God, I fucking hate everything. Yep. Anyway. And they were making they were making some pretty like overt jokes about the comparison in the latest yeah. season too. That's true, um, yeah. which was not 
very good. So uh, I think we talked about that already. My, my, a friend of mine and I were in the car. We were talking about this the other day. And so you could compare the you could compare them from the to the Bluth family from Arrested Development, or you could give Baron and Tiffany their own Disney Channel original movie. Because we we're like, there's something here. There's something here. Both of them, they're under their oppressed father figure. They can't do what they want to do. Tiffany is just like, hey Baron, like we we, we could. I don't know. Get out of I here. don't know anything about Baron's like personality or his life i think we might be you know that kid's getting fucking abused like i'm sorry i I think we might be putting our own feelings in his place you know like like there was all that stuff that people were like he could also be a shithead people were worried about um about trump's wife about the first lady yeah yeah. yeah. a lot and then she showed up in that jacket i really don't care jacket Yeah. yeah So it's like, and I think, it's like, ah, damn it. Yeah. We all had a lot of sympathy for you, Melania. Yeah, I think that, you know, we need to know more about these people before we start impressing, impressing our, our own. Yeah, fair. Yeah. I mean, it's mostly that Baron's just a child. Like, you can still save him at this point. Yeah. He's got the shirt. He's the expert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to save everybody I mean, else. I've, I've been listening to the Revolutions podcast. I might have mentioned this one before. Mm-hmm. But, um... And the rev- I, I was listening to recently the the series about the, uh, the the French Revolution, which I didn't know a lot about. And it turns out at one point in the French Revolution, um, they uh, basically after the death of Louis the Sixteenth, because you kind of feel like Louis the Sixteenth, like, and then the rest of the royal family all die like basically instantaneously. Not true. Louis the Sixteenth died, and then uh, Marie Antoinette was still alive for a while, as were her children. Mm-hmm. And so she started referring to, you know, her eldest son as Louis the Seventeenth, and, like, started insisting that he would be, like, served first at meals and all these things, and basically treating him as if he were the king. Um, but, of course, you know... That's, that's, that's not yeah. going to work very well and, in this revolutionary and, and, like, you're hedging your bets, you know? It yeah, seems yeah, yeah. like there's, like, a 50-50 shot and, and that that's this bas- revolution fizzles out. That's basically the way that, that she was apparently looking at it, was, okay, like, I've got... There are one of two ways that this is going to go either a we're all dead anyway and so none of this actually matters or b we're going to be restored to power in which case he is going to be king so i have to treat him that way Mm. um so that's kind of the situation that she was in uh but the thing that happened that i'm like i want to i feel like this this should happen (laughs) following the revolution um is that basically the 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 you know the guards kind of got sick of this and so they took the, the son away from her and like gave it to a semi-literate like cobbler <laughs> to like raise as his own child to teach how to be like a proper like uh, citizen cool of citizen <laughs> a proper citizen of the republic yeah um so we just find some like middle class family in yeah. iowa and we're like here Baron. no no working class in detroit yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> He's got, a, Detroit, he's got a fall down okay, before look, he can he, fall He's got up. enough problems. We don't also have to give him lead poisoning. Okay? No. no. That's Flint. Yeah. Let's Which just, is a let's suburb just of a, Detroit. Let's yeah. just avoid Michigan altogether. Yeah. Let's, let's just let's put him someplace else. Did but, Michigan go red in the last election? Because if so, fuck them. I, um, I don't think so. I don't know. Um, there's a, the lot whole of state. Man- there's a lot of gerrymandering yeah. going on in Michigan. Yeah. That's why that's why I hesitate to say fuck them to yeah. You yeah. Know, a state going a color. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Especially a place where, you know, there was probably, if they did go red, it probably also had a high uh, amounts of voter suppression because yeah. there's a lot of black people who live in Detroit. There are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, 
So, yeah, no, I, I, there's a lot of other, like, fucked up shit that happens to that kid afterwards, but when I heard that, I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Teach these, teach the children of these, uh, of these autocrats how to not be terrible people Mm -hmm. like their parents. The the only problem is, like, you can teach them to be as revolutionary as you want. But then some counter-revolutionary is going to sweep them up and say, you're now the king after the <laughs> counter-revolution. That's why we've got to get rid of all the Tsar's kids. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man. It's got, you would have, like, put Anastasia down with a smile. Anastasia's got to die. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no getting I'm like, hey, hey, you're not getting your own knockoff uh, Disney yeah. movie there, I was going to say, in fairness, it is probably the worst Don Bluth movie. <laughs> Other than maybe, like, a troll in Central Park. They yeah. compress like two revolutions into one, and they turn <laughs> Rasputin into a golem. <laughs> also, her waist is, like, two inches and her proportions are really off. Is this last week's podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Really severe chiseling on the cheeks. Okay. Sorry. Um, Was there something else we were going to talk about? I feel like there was. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. Maybe it just feels like this. Oh, guys. Yes. Other countries have experienced what we're going through right now. Yes. Oh, man. I I feel like I've learned a lot about empathy. Yeah. Including 1920s Germany with street fights and Nazis. Oh, fuck. Speaking of 1920s Germany. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, there's a show on Netflix that I want us to watch called, uh, what is it called? Berlin, Babel- Babylon Berlin, I believe that's what it's called. I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's a German TV show uh, set in 1920s Germany, 1929, before the stock market, you know. Um, but it's it's a, a, a mystery uh, with I've only seen the first episode, and I want you guys to watch the rest of it, and, and okay. you know, and then on the next podcast we can kind of talk about it in more detail. But just to kind of set it up, it's a murder or not a not even a murder mystery; it's a pornography mystery. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who made this porn? <laughs> who made this porn? But it's like 1920s porn, so like what? Like like I see above their knees. Elise, Elise, I'm gonna say I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Alex. Mm-hmm. You gotta explain that. I'm gonna explain. I'm gonna say, explain this. I've got a book over on the bookshelf over there. Yeah. Called Voluptuous Panic, and it is all about burlesque pornography, cross-dressing, okay, look, stripping. I know. In 1920s Germany, <laughs> it is literally about. Because as soon as men invented the fucking camera, that they they were like, we should get ladies to take off their clothes in front of this. I mean, there's also a lot of, like, transgenderism, nudism, um, Yeah, and like, then we took it back, liberation. so fuck you. I'm All just, of you. Fuck men. I'm just... Okay, sorry. I'm done now. You should look through the book, though. It's really okay, interesting. Okay, I will, I will, but, yeah. All right. I'm just... So, anyway, so he worked... I needed to be right. I apologize. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so, anyway, um, the main, the main detective, uh, his name eludes me, but, um... Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Detective he was Hitler. in art school. <laughs> no, at this point. Not in the 20s. Oh, he, uh, that's true. He was, he was probably in jail He was probably in jail in yeah. 1929, yeah. yeah. What, we, for porn? No. Uh, for, no. For, <laughs> for attempted treason. For, yeah. <laughs> for, like, terrorism. Yeah. It you was writing, arrested for terrorism if you're white? Writing, writing well, his shitty poosh. book yeah. through, his, uh, through his secretary. Uh, yeah. Attempted coup. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um... No, so so it starts with a, a a hit on this pornography ring, and apparently this detective is looking for some 
piece of evidence to another crime that's hidden in the film reels uh-huh. of these uh, of this pornography. And so they collect all the evidence, and he's investigating and, and interrogating the person that's that's doing it all. Uh, and it, it like it kind of trying to dig deeper into it. There's also a um, a woman that is brought on as a secretary to basically go through all the catalog of the murder files. And uh-huh. basically catalog all the, the pictures of all the murders, and apparently she's involved somehow, uh, or at least going to find something in the files that'll connect to the other one. Uh, and then there's also a plot, like a B plot, about these Trotskyites that are trying to do something revolutionary uh-huh. in Germany at the time, um, but like not with Stalin's and approval. Then it's not well, if they're Trotskyites, well then yeah. <laughs> What was Trotsky doing in 1929, Alex? Was in he ni- dead then? Not yet. He didn't <laughs> die until 1943. 1942? 1943. Okay. Uh, with an ice pick. But anyway, no, at this point, he was exiled from the Communist Party, but he was still in Russia. He was, like, in Central Asia at this point. Mm. Um, so he hadn't he hadn't yet gone to... Where did he end up? Mexico. Mexico? Yeah. yeah. He hadn't, had not yet gone to Mexico. I wonder if, like, two of our really steady listens are, like, FBI agents who are like, man, these kids talk a lot about communism and how great it is. <laughs> we should probably listen to this. If you're them, like, thanks. And could you give us, like, a like on our Facebook yeah, yeah, yeah. page? Yeah, uh, give us an email. Like, hey, hey, leave, FBI leave us agents. a review. Yeah, yeah, like us, uh, review us on iTunes. Yeah. yeah. And if you really want to get in contact with us, send us an email at <laughs> some nerds have a Gmail at email. No, other way around. Some nerds have an email at gmail.com. We'll go. be happy to talk to you all about our politics. Yeah. So anyway, so no, but I, I this is something that was recommended to me by an online friend, and it's something that I think that I would enjoy, and I think you guys might enjoy. And we can probably watch it and talk yeah. about it. So we have something to actually talk about next time. Yay! Hey. I don't know, because the only other thing that we've been doing is playing Persona 5, Elise and I. Yeah, Which, playing a lot of Persona 5. Do you yeah. want to talk about Persona 5? I I don't know what we can say about it. I mean, we could talk about this, like, how this game probably understands uh, Jungian psychology better than Jordan Peterson does. <laughs> Jordan <Yeah>. Peterson. <laughs> so, <laughs> I haven't actually watched any of Jordan Peterson's, but I've been watching a lot of... Uh, ContraPoints. Uh-huh. Have you watched any ContraPoints? No. It's, a, it's a, another leftist YouTuber, uh, and she did a thing on Jordan Peterson, and just hilarious. I've I've listened to a fair amount of Chapo Trap House where they're making fun of Jordan Peterson. Mm-hmm. That's mostly what I know him from. Also, um, there is a Facebook page that I'm a member of that has a lot of really good memes making fun of Jordan Peterson. Um, let me give them their proper due. It's uh, Jordan Peterson's Neverland Ranch for High IQ Lost Boys. <laughs> um, it's pretty good. Uh, so if you like making fun of uh, Jordan Peterson, you will probably enjoy this. Um, for those of you who don't know who we're talking about, Jordan Peterson is a... If you don't know who you're talking about, then congratulations. Stop listening All right. now. You don't want to hear about this guy. I mean, well, I don't know. How would how would we one best describe Jordan Peterson? Um, I, I'm as I don't know. I probably know more about him than anyone else well, in then, this room at the moment. Then so explain. Maybe away. I'll maybe I'll explain. So, um, take Kermit the Frog, make him look like he's made out of pumice, and give him a doctorate, and give him a, a doctorate. Make him a former like what was it to the University of Toronto? Yeah. Um, now contributor to like Infowars and Breitbart. I think is mostly where he publishes his shit now. 
And um, I really thought Canadians were smarter than us. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why he's a former professor uh, okay. at Toronto University. Yeah, that bitch would have given, been given a promotion if he worked for an American university. But, but basically, he just uses, like, the, the tropes of, like, um, of Jungian psychology and, like, the hero's journey and, like, the collective unconscious to talk about how we're all just lobsters and, like... And, um, and push hierarchies is are important. I mean, and, the, he pushes what he calls the the postmodernist Marxist, which is a con- it's a contradiction in terms. <laughs> postmodernists don't believe in structuralism. <laughs> ah, I mean, honestly, at this point, he might as well just be talking about the globalists. The globalists, yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of like anti-feminist talk in his rhetoric there's a lot of like there's basically take any like shithead like mra that you know have him replace every time he says the word woman replace it with the words chaos dragon (laughs) and you basically understand who jordan peterson is the, the the masculine energy is an energy of, of order and we have to we have to conquer the chaos dragon in order to become a self actualized Okay, Dr. People. Kermit, you, you can stop here now, Dr. Kermit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Masculine energy is, is the least <laughs> orderly <laughs> of any I'm not saying you're wrong. Energy. All right, this is like this is like the same thing with like only girls start drama like bitch read history okay i'm just i'm sorry you don't understand history is a a collection of of experiences where the men are undergoing their own hero's journey into the heart of chaos to to conquer that chaos dragon within them and thereby clean their rooms that they live in on the surface, on the floor of the ocean, where the lobsters are all fighting each other for dominance and hierarchy, you know, stand you know up I'm with sure your with lobsters your are fine. with all your right, shoulders you don't have to, back. Like, project your patriarchy onto fucking lobsters. All right, they have enough shit to deal with. All right, some like main <laughs> lobsterman is gonna come sweep them up at any moment. Their life is going to be fucking over, all right? No, it won't be over. It'll last long enough to go did be in, like, a Captain George's. To be boiled alive. <laughs> to be boiled alive. Did I right? tell you? So we don't need to, like, bring lobsters into anything. Did I tell okay? you guys that I saw someone with a Jordan Peterson t-shirt the other day? And it was, And it took me a second to recognize that's what it was because it was, like, it was the, the classic, like, um, man evolving shirt, which you, like, you see parodies of on, like, a million yeah. different t-shirts. Mm-hmm. I didn't think anything of it. Until I saw that the first step in the man evolving was a picture of a lobster (laughs) and it said below it like something like um like stand straight with your shoulders back which is a like a one of his 12 rules for life and i'm just like oh my fucking god like this is like who are you and what are you doing in my general proximity was this at work it was in fact Uh. (laughs) <laughs> Who hurt you? Who hurt you, person wearing this shirt? Um, but yeah, so so he he does a lot of this stuff with like Jungian psychology, which we've been playing a video game called Persona, uh, which, which also about, yeah. which also deals with Jungian psychology. Only they understand it like way better. Which, considering it is a Japanese RPG about high school students fighting monsters in a parallel world that only they can see. 
makes it so much crazier that there's people there are people in the world this man is a new york times best-selling author <laughs> and this video game understands his psychology better than him so yeah i don't know it's a good game though it's a great game everybody should play it it's pretty fun um, yes. I've played the, some more games in that series too, but I, I, I never, I think Persona 5 is the, the best one though. You haven't played any of the other ones. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't yeah. <laughs> you don't need to play the I other ones. And, no, 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 no. I, I yeah. think a lot of people really like four. That's one of the ones I haven't played yet though. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's got really good music and like the story is fun. Um, cool. and they deal with like, I going... like that you have to, uh, you have to balance like fighting monsters in the parallel universes with that you encounter with like also studying for your exams and like and <laughs> hanging out with your friends i had another i had another like moment of clarity about like i, I think i understood like japanese youth culture like, i had this like brilliant moment of clarity it was like i know what it's like to be a 14 year old in japan oh do you um <laughs> There's, there's a lot of monsters you gotta fight. Man. Yeah, so many. <laughs> but it was these Japanese young men come up to me with tears in their eyes. Jordan Peterson, get back in the clothes. Back in the. Back don't in. you bring Deku into this, okay? <laughs> you leave the perfect cinnamon roll that is. Get back in the, the office, Jordan. Get out of here. Alone. Go. Shoot. All right, we were gonna talk about. We were gonna talk about the latest episode <laughs> right. of My Hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay. So, but what I was gonna say is my my perfect moment of clarity was like we were hanging out. I was playing Persona, and I was just like, I was just realized, like, man, nobody ever wants to hang out in the real world, but like in this Persona game, like everybody wants to hang out with me all the time. I'm super popular. I don't know how to I deal get, with like, this. I know. I don't know how to deal with this. Like, do I? Because you get, uh, you get bonuses as you raise your. It's called confidant. As you raise your confidant level. But basically, like, as you invest in your friendship with certain people, you get bonuses throughout the game. And so I was like, I don't know. Who should I spend my time with? Everybody wants to be with me. I'm the male protagonist. And then I was like, and then I thought about, like, the real world and trying to hang out with people and how it's, like, nobody ever, like, nobody's schedules ever met, you know, met up. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to play video games because in the video game I'm popular. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, now I understand. Now you understand the appeal. I know, I, yeah. Yeah. And there's this one guy that you got to spend every other Wednesday with recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right? Man, we've already maxed out this S-Link. I don't know why we keep doing this. Um, sorry, I still think of the confidence We get no bonuses from hanging out with this guy. <laughs> You've got ice cream. That's true. We did get ice cream today. That's true. Thank you for that ice cream. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, latest issue uh, with the latest episode of My Hero Academia. The, this, we were going to talk about it because it's so inconsequential it's and it's so, so like charming. Because yeah, I haven't gotten up to that yeah. yet. But so, so like there's been a lot of crazy shit happening in season three. So we haven't been able to talk about it in front of Alex because Alex is still in season two. I, I, I ended season two. I'm just, okay. I'm getting... I'm okay, starting, so you're starting season, season three. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of crazy shit's gonna things, hit, hit the fan. Shits are about to hit the fan, and it will not let up for like 20 episodes. Mm. Yeah. But then when it finally does let up, there we get this nice little breather. It is like my hero does not do filler episodes that often, but this yeah, one was definitely had a bit of a recap episode at the beginning of season. Yeah. Two. Yeah, where they go to the pool. Yeah, yeah that's that's what. They, they that's why I say show. they don't do it that often. Mm -hmm. yeah. They do occasionally, and like sometimes they'll do you, like clips. You get like one or two per per season. But this one is like. Like, you can skip that first episode of the season where they go to the pool and they just kind of recap. Like, you can easily skip that and nothing will really happen. 
Um, this one, like, it, it does advance the plot. So I wouldn't really say you could skip it, but it is, like, the pure definition of a filler episode. Because here's the story. Okay, guys, you gotta learn, work on your on your advanced moves. You gotta work on the moves that will but will turn the tables in your advantage. Show me your moves. So, so it's all of them, like, figuring out what they're gonna do for their moves. And so, like... You know, we kind of see them all working, and then Bakugo is just like exploding everything, and um, and, and Uraka is uh, like trying to figure out a way that she can get herself to fly, um, like use her power on herself and float around and use like um, judo moves while in zero gravity to like attack, um, and then and then uh, Deku, Deku's entire story arc in this episode is. But how can I have an ultimate move? My arms are so damaged. I can't use my arms anymore, really. And then, like, at the end of the episode, he has this huge galaxy brain, like, mind-shattering <laughs> moment when he realizes that he has legs. <laughs> that like is the, literally the entire episode! Like the Little Mermaid, he realizes, Bitch, I have legs! <laughs> And he knows kick now. And he knows kick now. It's it's like your when Deku you're playing. Your Deku has learned kick. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's literally like you're playing Pokemon, levels up, and it's like, oh yeah, you learned kick. That's that's it. That is the one thing that that's happened. That's the one thing, that, and that is literally the end of the episode. Is you realize that he's found out how to kick, and I don't even think we actually get to see the kick, do we? No, we do. We do. We get, oh yeah. Like, oh yeah, we do. But it's mostly you see everybody's reaction to the kick. And everybody's like, oh my god, and don't, and, like, Deku. And then I'm like, you know, I kind of get where Bakugo is coming from. <laughs> <laughs> like, you've been tearing it up this whole time. You've got all of these A-plus moves. You're doing really, really fucking well. And this bitch learns how to kick. And everybody's like, oh my god, good job, Deku. In fairness, his kick did save all night. That's true. From the thing that, from the the explosion that Bakugo, Bakugo caused. caused. Yeah. Oh, and then you find out that All Might really likes being a teacher. <laughs> and that, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Um, and he's the best teacher. Except not really, because Mr. Ayazawa is the best. is clearly the best teacher. Yeah. Not the rodent principal guy? I mean, he's not a teacher. He's an administrator. He's an administrator. That's different. Fair enough. Uh, Elise, did you have something else that you wanted to talk about tonight? I thought we were talking about something before. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of history. Man. Going back like three Speaking of education. Speaking of education. There we go. Uh -huh. um, so, Saved it. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of a little museum. Uh, Just a little one. Just a little living history museum called Colonial Williamsburg. Colonial Williamsburg. It's been made fun of in all aspects of popular culture. It has. Um, it yeah, was, no, it's... It was at least made fun of one time on 30 Rock, and we just quoted all the yeah. time. Oh, okay. Uh, but, like, you've probably, you've probably been dragged there uh, as, a, as a wee child. If you live in Virginia, you certainly have. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> um, really, like, if you, live, if you live anywhere in, like, the Northeast... Yeah, if you live in the East Coast, you probably have you, at least heard of Colonial Williamsburg. You, mm -hmm. you have been dragged there. And... But if you are a fan in Brazil that has no idea what this is... <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is a little stretch of a small town. Capital. It's, not, it's actually the largest or second largest. It's it's one of the largest living history museums in America. Right. Like it, really, yeah. 
Or it's certainly the largest in America. It's one of the largest in the world. I was going to point out that it is a small town near where we live, because yes, by modern standards, it is a small town. But, all right, so quick recap for our uh, listeners overseas. Uh, Williamsburg was the colonial capital, uh, one of the colonial capitals of the colony of Virginia, and then the capital moved, and so did everybody else. But then in the 1930s, 40s, somewhere yeah, 30s. around there, uh, some rich guy decided to put a bunch of money into yeah. Yeah. rebuilding it as it looked during the American Revolution or around that same time. And now there are people in funny hats walking around the street talking to people. Yep, that's it. That's a really great uh, description. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the boringest version of Westworld. <laughs> <laughs> And like Westworld, people don't... They don't even acknowledge that there were hookers there. <laughs> oh my god. It is the worst word version of Westworld. You yeah. can shoot a gun, but not at somebody? Come on. <laughs> you can throw an axe. But you know what you can do in both Westworld and Colonial Williamsburg? What's that? You can sexually harass the interpreter. Oh yeah. no! So, um... So- I would like to rescind my previous joke about, stri- about hookers. <laughs> So I would like to redact that. <laughs> but so it's kind of interesting is like um because I feel like this Williamsburg is like what like 8 months behind the rest of the world at the very least. It's it's 200 years. But Yeah, it's 200 uh, years step behind. Step back in time. A step back in time to when the to- it- to when slavery wasn't talked about <laughs> and only white people were allowed to have opinions. <laughs> So long ago. Um, oh, they, they get that one hour in the afternoon where they have the thing <laughs> talking about slavery. <laughs> and they all, they all, they love doing it. They sang songs. It was great. It was like a big sleepover. They get to talk about, oh, should we join Dunbar, Dar, the, the British or not? I don't know. They're going to free us. Or maybe oh, not. Man. I don't know. So anyway, and then leave it in the air and just um, leave it hanging. Like like the specter let's, that's just hanging. Let's there. let's not discuss this th- anymore. We here we've acknowledged it. <laughs> we've acknowledged that it happened. Yeah. So um, there's been like some videos on YouTube um, and posts that have been made that have been kind of circling around the. I would I, I don't want to say like oh it's been circling around the internet but it's you know it's it's something that's popping up and depending on the circles that you run in, uh, where a lot of the women interpreters are coming out, especially the women inter- interpreters who um, are of color, and they don't necessarily interpret sla- in- enslaved persons in Colonial Williamsburg, but because of the fact that they're black and they're in costume, people make sort of make assumptions about mm-hmm. like who they're supposed to be or how you're supposed to treat them. Here's a great rule. If you're going to Colonial Williamsburg this summer because you got... 2.5 children and more money than cents. How about you just treat the interpreters like fucking professionals? Because yeah. you know what? They're museum professionals. Mm-hmm. And and just just to clarify, yeah. interpreters, like not not like language interpreters, not for like those that don't know what we're talking about. Like, that is the term for people that wear the costume. That, that wear costumes history, yeah. and talk about history. Because mm-hmm. the, the idea is that they're interpreting the past, kind of helping you, helping be that bridge. Mm-hmm. Um... And so, like, a lot, like, a lot of women, apparently somebody, like, fucking cat called Martha Washington. I mean. <laughs> Just, what the fuck? She's a silver fox, man. 
She has those huge tracts of land. Yeah, right. Well, now I'm doing it. Anyway, <laughs> so easy. So that's what that's what uh, that's that's when she first met. Uh, that's when she first met George. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of misunderstandings because like no one's really sure where George and Martha Washington first met. You know, some people say um, Williamsburg. Are you going somewhere with this? Some people say a nearby New Kent County, but the reality was he just kind of uh, was saw her on the street and he said, "Hey, bitch, let me get at that." <laughs> She wasn't able to resist. <laughs> no woman is. Uh, it was the story that they yo, told they're not children because they let, didn't have any children. Let me get them digits, girl. <laughs> Tale as old as By time. By digits, I mean your carriage. I don't know. Hey, are, are you... Your address. Are, are you a widow? Because, man, I could marry that and inherit a whole bunch of property. <laughs> and he did just that. And he um, did just that. So, yeah, but, like, I, I just, I don't really understand the mindset of, like, you see somebody in costume, then you immediately treat them like shit. Other than to say that, like, you're probably going to Colonial Williamsburg because you're some sort of version of racist and it's Republican Disneyland. Yep. Uh, like, the, the motherfuckers invited Fox News to, like, go film them, read the Declaration of Independence one day. It's, yeah. Yeah. You know, so then it's, like, but... But it's really interesting that, like, the women are now kind of coming out, like, being inspired by, by the Me Too movement and are coming out and talking um, about the injuries that they've had to endure on the job. Um, and it's not, you know... Now, is this yeah. is is this mostly, or is this wholly visitors, or is this other people working at CW? That it's, are... it's... Of all the posts that I've seen... Mm -hmm. The posts focus on behavior of the visitors. Okay. I'm sure there's probably some shit bags that also work and, you know, because, okay. like, you, you, encounter, you encounter sexual harassment in any workplace, I feel, um, because people are shitty. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, like, a, a thing that I feel very deeply. But, um, but most of the, the vast majority of the posts have been about uh, visitors and visitors of all genders. Um, like women apparently going and like reaching underneath like skirts of the female costumed interpreters trying to figure out what's underneath there mm -hmm. uh what's Ooh. underneath all this fabric um and then like playing it off like oh we're just girls and it's like you, you need to stop you, that you really just you, you kind of just assaulted somebody yeah. you know and and but but the worst of it i think is really falling on the women of color um, and unsurprisingly, there's a pretty high turnover rate <laughs> at CW, I think, uh, of these interpreters. And it, you know, and it just, it just sucks. Yeah. So, like, if you're going to go to this, like, all great Americana, uh, you know, all Americana all the time museum. Hey, it's just as racist as sexist as the real America. That is true. That yeah. is true. But just keep your fucking racist and sexist opinions to yourself. Like if you can't also think of... just like in the real America. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. up. Yeah. The um Do you remember when like Obama was president and people were like at calling least him not a Muslim Bolden? Yeah, that's true. They said yeah, they were like asking you know, for his birth certificates. Yeah, but on the internet, not to his face. Oh, no. did you not see no, all those rallies? There, were, there were tons of... Never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what, like, blissful there era is that I'm never, asking There for. is never an America to be great again. Yeah, that is true. Guys, let's, let, let's be true. real. Yeah. 
And Claude Williamsburg is kind of proof of that, right? Because, yeah. like, people are getting sexually harassed in the streets mm-hmm. for doing their job. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's like, people feel like they can treat service workers in general like shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you add the fact that they're in a funny costume and they maybe be talking with a funny accent. Yeah. And you get this idea that, oh, well, they're not, like, a real person that's going to yeah, yeah. feel pain. Yeah, yeah. Or, it's just like Westworld. Yeah. It's like there's that that disconnect that yeah. from people like like you don't see the the interpreters as necessarily other equals. You see them as like an a, a show, just yeah. like like oh, like but your show that you're like up close and personal with, so you right. get to interact with it, yeah. right? You yeah. get to touch it. Are you real? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's always the best, and by best I mean worst. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it, so yeah, it's so so if you're gonna go to Republican Disneyland, like at least do everybody a favor that works there. Just keep your goddamn comments to yourself, you know. Keep your hands to yourself. They're not there to like entertain you. I mean, like they're they there are. to like educate you. They're here they're to educate to, like, you, learn, entertain you in the sense of like you know, here's a fucking hoop and stick. But that doesn't mean you get to like you know. Grab their junk. Grab their junk. It doesn't mean you get to grab Regardless. their hoop and stick. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, <laughs> <laughs> Hoop and stick, new euphemism, 2018. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, what's the hoop? <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> I'm trying to. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I, I I just that was something that I thought was interesting. No, that's it. That's... Um, kind of tying back into like popular culture. Yeah. We're talking about you know in the Me Too movement and everything that's been going on in Hollywood. And it's really interesting how it's like it's having such a diverse effect because it's they, you know, like after Hollywood, there was a lot of talk with I know like a lot of waiters and waitresses came out about it and like the sexual harassment that they feel at their workplaces and corporate America was talking about it. And now and now the 18th century is talking about it. y'all. Well, I mean. And this is just, you know, important information for all of you out there listening, all five of you. If you feel like you are entitled to spend your money and touch another human being's body, there is a profession for that. Very old one, as a matter of fact. <laughs> one might say the oldest. One might say the oldest. Um, but you're also the same people who are spending a lot of time, energy, and effort to make sure that those things stay criminalized. So, you know what? Maybe make up your a, mind. Yeah, make get up, up your damn make up mind. your goddamn mind. Sex uh, work is work. And on that, Alex, what's the webcomic of the week? Is there <laughs> one this week? Uh, no. I, I, I feel like we have a lot of podcasts that just end with, like, sex work is work. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. Uh, unfortunately, actually, I do not have a webcomic of the week for you. That's okay. Uh, I, I think I've just about run out of webcomics to recommend to people that nobody's watching or reading. Oh, that's um, fine. So, you know, if you guys aren't going to read it, then why should I bother? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm wow, feeling, like, dark. despondent. Yeah. But, I feel like this is the sign of the end times. Uh, but um, there was one other thing I did want to talk about. Um, okay. And that was that there's been, besides My Hero Academia, there's another anime that I've been watching. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's, a, it's an older one. It's from 2004. Uh, and it's called Last Exile. Have you heard of this? No. No. So it's it's like after I finished watching Legends of Galactic Heroes, I'm like, where can I get my uh, my space opera fix? Uh-huh. And it's like, well, it's I hard could, to follow that one up. I I could go to Gundam, but no. 
uh, I'll go a bit more atmospheric. And mm. so Last Exile is, uh, like, it's it's based in this kind of world that has a lot of diesel punk. Um, okay. I feel like I've heard of this one before. Possibly. I might have talked about it before. Uh, but where steampunk is more kind of drawing on the Victorian era, this one's it's more like drawing 1930s on, like, the 30s to 40s. To 40s yeah. Uh, and the, the main kind of transportation people use are what are called van ships. They're kind of, like flying cars that but they look like airplanes with little tiny wings and they just kind of float there um but uh there's these airship battles that take place between these two countries uh. that are diametrically locked in in opposition to each other and are they diametrically opposed those yes uh but there is also the guild which is between the two that kind of orchestrates the battles and the battles are all kind of super organized and like like weirdly ceremonial like the battle like the the first two episodes like after a about... soccer game in scotland you know you're gonna together it's like before somebody's lights no it's like before the game where all the teams line up and they shake hands or something like that mm. oh, okay. like they do that except instead of shake hands they line up and shoot muskets at each other <laughs> from airships <laughs> okay all right like I'm down a few yards across and then they say okay well do we all right we've had the musket duel does the enemy decide they want to surrender no okay then we'll go with the artillery duel and then they do that and then uh one of the sides kind of breaks tradition and decides to just actually bring a second fleet that wasn't supposed to be there and the guild is like super okay with so it. so it's robot jocks i guess <laughs> but but basically it it follows um these these van ship couriers that basically they transmit messages from place to place. Cause like the technology is all over the place. Like there's not airplanes, there's van ships. Yeah. The bigger ships that exist that float around, they can't float on their own power. They get like, they, they get lent anti-gravity generators from the guild. And like, if the ship is going down, the guild detaches their generator and it just flies back up into the air. It's like, it's all kind of controlled. Um, but there's one ship that doesn't do it, and that's the Silvana, and that's that's uh, captained by totally not, um, totally not Captain Harlock, uh, who we didn't have the rights for Captain Harlock, guys, so it's totally not him, but it's totally look at this guy. Yeah. Uh, and or uh, that eye patch, that eye patch isn't there. No, he 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 doesn't have the eye patch. Oh, that's that how you can tell. That's, that's how you can tell, tell. he's not. It's like <laughs> Superman, with that little forelock he's got. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but basically, you know, it's, it's kind of like these, these, uh, couriers get wrapped up in this grand conspiracy with the guild and all that. And, and they go hang out with totally not Captain Harlock. And it's uh, something that I'd watched a while ago and I actually have like the first four episodes on DVD. Uh, but I decided to look around and I actually found that it was on Verve, uh, which is Crunchyroll's kind of sub yeah. thing that has anime. Uh, it's on Crunchyroll, but on Verve it's dubbed. Yeah, and so like mm -hmm. I decided to watch the dubbed version because that's what I was used to. Um, Fair enough. And so, so yeah, so that's that's kind of what I've been getting to again this time. And I decided I was going to finish it because I never actually finished it the first time. I just have like the first four episodes. Yeah. And I saw a couple episodes after that on one of the weird Bulgarian sites, um, <laughs> but I never actually got through it all. So now's my chance to do that. And then eventually, sometime maybe possibly, I'll get through all of out here with my hero. I mean, if you're on season three, you're probably getting close. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. you're almost at the end. All right. Well, I'm only on like the second episode like of season on, three, so it's not the end. You're just caught up to where yeah. everyone else yeah. is. Yeah. All right. Which I just I don't know. As like a side note, because you mentioned the Bulgarian websites. Yeah. Like if you're still watching, I feel like nowadays, like if, if you're still watching like 
anime illegally like what what is wrong like i don't want to be like what's wrong with you but like, i don't want to see the advertisements from is, these like, sites wrong with you? i want to see advertisements telling me how i how many girls are in my area that want to sleep with no, me i i want that i want that virus give it to it, me yeah. it's delicious give me the virus give me, give me that spyware but see like you have like just kids these days don't know how good they have it they don't they I really finally don't now become like old man yelling yeah. from porch yeah. get off my lawn but back in my day, we but had. Back to... in my day, you know, I feel like we had, we've, we've had this we've conversation. Had this conversation. I'll stop. But seriously, watch 480p. Anime legally. Try 120. <laughs> I remember watching it on a one by two inch screen on QuickTime. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. On a compressed but... CD-ROM. But seriously, Scan lines. Like, you got Hulu, you have Netflix, you have Crunchyroll, you have Verb, you have Funimation, like... And even if you don't subscribe to it and give them money, like, you can still watch it. You get the free one. You get the free one. Watch ones. it for free. Watch it for free. It's free real estate. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> You're literally giving it away. You just got to watch the same ad five times. Yeah. Which, you know, now that the election's over and you're not seeing the... the, the I, I, I protect my waifu yeah, with my guns. With my, my, Hillary Clinton says I can't protect my body pillows with these guns. <laughs> now, I, now I, like this morning before I went to work, I was watching an episode of this. And, like, it showed the exact same advertisement yeah. for yeah. every slot. It was for an Amazon thing, like the Amazon Echo or whatever. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's like, it's grandma here. It's like, yeah, yeah, I've seen this one before. Thank we, you. Try yeah. another one. We didn't talk I'm about I'm still not buying an Echo. Jesus Christ. I'm not no, buying anything from Amazon right now. Nobody buy anything from Amazon right now. There's things going on this week, yeah, so we, we can't about talk about Prime, Amazon yeah. Prime Day. Don't do anything with Amazon now. It's, don't worry. Uh, Just hold out. Stay strong. Stay on that picket line. Wait, when can we go back to using Amazon? We, have, <laughs> we already have a Prime membership. <laughs> after the strike's over. After they've won. Okay. When we, well, like, after I they've know. won or they fired every single worker in Germany, Portugal, and, and uh, what is it, Poland? I'm yeah. gonna have to find another place to buy buy your uh, birthday present, baby. eBay. Damn it. <laughs> I might do is Newegg egg. okay? I might do Newegg, Yeah. All right. Newegg's Has Newegg fine. fucked anybody over lately? I don't know, but like, didn't you make a post recently about like how there's no ethical consumption under capitalism? There is no ethical consumption under capitalism, so you could buy it from anywhere. Yeah. But they're in the middle of a strike right. right now, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. not gonna so I'm not gonna like cross the digital. Yeah. Don't yeah. cross that digital picket line. Don't do it, yeah. folks. I technically wouldn't be a scab. Scabs if I get stabbed. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't technically be a scab because I wouldn't wouldn't be working for them. But yeah, yeah. It's the same the same principle mm-hmm. remains. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, with that, Jeff Bezos is terrible. He hunts humans for sport. <laughs> Elon Musk wants to put the kids back in the cave. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll be great. So he can he can rescue them. Right, I, correctly this time. He only with needs his like you know. Two to five years to perfect did, a submarine. Did you guys see that shit where he called the rescue diver a pedophile? Yes. yes. And then he retracted it. <laughs> but still. What, what I was saying was out of anger. It's just. It just doesn't excuse it. Get off the stage. Can't. Elongated muskrat. Was that like Elon Musk? Isn't he, is it him or Jeff? It's one of those fuckers that's all like. I don't know what to do with my money, so I'm going to invest in private space travel. Oh, that was Elon Musk. Like, Musk. That yeah. was Musk. You're like, what about uh, literally your- anything literally else? Literally anything else, but it's also like you can't pay your damn pay, workers. Yeah, you can't pay your damn workers. And it's like I feel like this is why leftists are so angry about like 
space like i don't know somebody else was like bringing this up on my facebook like why the hell why the lefties hate space so much and it's like because you you're trying to privatize it well, well you're trying to like leftists brought the first animals and humans into <laughs> space it was called the soviet union they did it first <laughs> Those were raging leftists. But it's not that we like... No rest until we all have gay space communism. Gay space communism. <laughs> hey, thanks, FBI agent. If you're still watching, if you're still listening, that, that last bit was for you. Man, I don't um, think the FBI is listening to this anymore. No one's they're listening. Like, they're like... They just see another episode like, They talk up. a lot about communism, but... I think there's just three overweight kids shooting the shit. Like, <laughs> they just see a new episode comes up and they check a box and like, all right. Yep. <laughs> Talked about communism. Done. Uh, mentioned my hero academia. Yeah. My report is done. Oh, look, it's a picture of Mickey Mouse as a capitalist swine. Yeah. I can't understand what they could be talking about here. Disney question mark? <laughs> Anyway, another anyway. company that also needs to pay its workers more. Every, every company needs to pay its workers more. I know, I know. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, also, we need to have a maximum wage in this country, and in every country. Yeah, agreed. Uh, All right, so with that, does anybody have anything else you want to talk about? Again, sorry, no webcomic of the week, but uh, I'm blood dry. No, I think we're good. All right. We're, we've gotten all of the rage out of us. I have I another say two that. weeks Good. to build it back up All again. All right. Well, let's let's go eat some ice cream. Yay, ice Yay, cream. Yay, ice cream. All right. So thank you, everybody. My name's Alex. My name's Elise. I'm Nick. And this has been Some, some Nerds, Nerds Have a, a podcast. podcast. Support your local sex workers.